Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders who are making an impact in their businesses. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. Our host is Sean Grady. He is passionate about helping clients transform their businesses and solving their environmental challenges. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Today's guest is Abby Ferry. Abby is a certified safety professional. She is a practical, creative, and an influential safety professional with over 17 years of experience in the field of EHS. She has worked in the construction and manufacturing, healthcare, hospitality, and retail industries. Artificial intelligence, social media, and voice technologies are her tools of choice. Her proudest industry accomplishments are advocating for construction worker safety and using her platform to improve conditions on the job for women safety professionals. Safety is her hobby too. She's a podcast host on the Safety Justice League and for the Safety News with Abby Ferry. So check it out, ET fans. You won't want to miss her podcast episodes. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. We have our guest here is Abby Ferry. She's a uh, certified safety professional, and we're so excited to have her on the show today. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so exciting. A certified safety <laughs> professional. <laughs> certified safety professional. Man, you know, we've been doing these uh, podcasts on the credentials in the industry. And so the last one on the episode here is going to be the safety professional. And there's so much to cover on safety these days, uh, especially, you know, given the pandemic we're dealing with. This has been, you know, how how that is, uh, how the role of the safety professional is playing in the uh, industry. So I gave the listeners a little bit of an introduction about you already. So they kind of know a little bit about you, but uh, let's talk a little bit how you got involved with safety from, you know, you're starting your career out. Yeah. So like with a lot of safety professionals, it was kind of by accident. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was working for a construction office and there were two people that were never there. And I thought, wow, they, I still put a paycheck at their desk and then the paycheck's gone. Who are these people? What do they do? And oh, I learned they, yeah, they were the safety guys. <laughs> so ah. I said, you know, I want to be a safety guy. Um, and at the time I was in college and finished my undergrad early. My undergrad was in exercise science and I have, ah, okay. uh, I have a minor in psychology. And so I didn't know until later that these really align well for a well-rounded safety professional. So I learned from the, yeah, I learned from the two safety guys that they went through this master's degree program that was at my college at University of Minnesota Duluth, where they have a master of environmental health and safety program. And it's a one-year master's. So I finished my undergrad early. Overachiever. After one year master's and knew, yeah, just <laughs> I knew I wanted to do construction, um, right. mainly because I just wanted something different every day and I wanted to be outside and wear jeans. So those yeah. are my career requirements and um, safety fit the bill. And I've been in construction safety really ever since. Um, even before graduation from the MEHS program, I had a job lined up in construction safety and um, safety has been a great industry for me. Oh yeah, it's it's been you know it's it's essential to any industry really. But uh, well, when did you learn about the uh, certified safety professional credential in your you know your career? 
You know, I was trying to think the other day in anticipation of this interview, um, like how did I find out about the CSP? Because at the time, um, which would have been, I guess, 2008-ish, because you had to have at least five years to sit for the ASP and sit for the CSP, which I did pretty much boom, boom, one right after the other. And I don't remember who I can credit with telling me about it. I just learned about it and knew it was something I wanted to pursue, um, mainly because at the time there weren't a lot of uh, construction safety professionals that had a CSP credential. So I I wanted to be different and set myself apart and go after another academic thing. Cause at that time I, I still wanted to do that sort of thing. Still learning. Um, right. Yeah. If I, I mean, I still learn all the time, like to sure. this day, of course, but you were hungry. Um, yeah. Like the desire <laughs> for a certification now, right. not so much. Um, well, yeah. It, now you've kind you know? of reached the, reached the top, so to speak of that part of the profession. And now it's time to really kind of mentor others. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy I have it. I'm the CSP, I think has been good to me. There were some jobs that I had uh, years ago, I guess not that long ago, but um, where they required a CSP with 10 plus years of experience to be on these high level construction projects at a military base. So I'm glad that I had the credential because I could, you know, get these jobs that were awesome, lucrative, well, and interesting. Yeah, you, you talk about the, you know, the requirement of the uh, credential. And, and we, you know, some of the other podcast shows we've done is that, you know, that credential uh, is kind of like a barrier of entry. If you don't have it, you can't quite get in there sometimes, you know. Um, so I think, you know, what, you know, for the listeners, you know, trying to obtain their, their credential, what, what's involved with becoming a CSP? So I alluded to it a little bit. At first, you have to have that ASP credential, which requires five years experience in the field. So first, you know, it's years of experience. And then after that, it's really on you to to do the studying and figure out um, how you're going to prepare yourself based on the exam blueprint, which there's a new blueprint every so often that they change the requirements or change the testing um, parameters and all these things. So it's really up to uh, the individual on how they're going to prepare themselves. And I get instant messages or I guess direct messages, DMs and emails and phone calls frequently about, you know, how did you prepare for the CSP? And I have to laugh sometimes because it's been so long that the exam blueprint has changed. The, um, the methods of preparing for the exam have completely changed. So uh-huh. I'll respond to people and say, well, I used the span CD-ROM discs and did the practice exams. And people are like, what? CD-ROMs? <laughs> really? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> so if that gives you any indication, it's been a while and my advice uh, is practically useless. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google it. That's what I tell them now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's apps now. I mean, we did not have apps, you know, right. there's a, a pocket prep app is what it's called. And I guess okay. a lot of people have had success with that. So, oh, okay. um, but me personally, I also, I joke, but I did, um, besides the CD-ROM, I did, for both the ASP and the CSP, I went through the ASSPs, um, the ASSE at the time, I went through their week-long exam prep courses. So for each exam, yeah, I I did the one-week prep course, and I had scheduled my exam to be about a week or even less after I returned home from that prep course. So I could just 
get all the information out of my head. That's a very similar process that I went through for my CHMM. Same thing, you know, took that week long course. And then right after literally like the next day we took the test. And so it was like fresh in our minds and we decided to get after it. So, so you mentioned the the organization that uh, y'all, most of the CSPs belong to. Maybe talk a little bit about that, that organization that most, you know, the CSPs belong to. Is Which that benefit, a thing? What, yeah, well, I mean, don't you belong yeah. to like the ASC? What, I, okay. I do belong to the ASSP, formerly yeah, known go. as the ASSE. So right. they changed the E for engineers to P for professionals. Professionals, and, yeah. yeah. More inclusive. And More inclusive. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm one of those people that wasn't too excited about the change. Um, right. Usually people think of me as someone that's really into change and and all those things. And for that one, I was just like, why? I, I don't, yeah. I don't get it, but I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. It didn't change my life dramatically. Um, at the time I was in leadership for the women in safety engineering wise, okay. uh, common interest group, which is part of the ASSE, ASSP. And we were looking at the new acronym, like, are we going to be women in safety professionals WISP? And that was the only thing that really bothered me. So we had to come up with a new E word. And so we came up with women and safety excellence. So we retained the the wise name, but yeah, yeah, I guess um, a lot of people that have a a BCSP certification are members of the ASSP and they're organizations that are, um, they're kind of like symbiotic, you know, (laughs) organisms or organizations. So, um, but you don't need to be a member of ASSP if you have your CSP certification. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, Honestly, anyone that has a BCSP certification, whether it's a CSP or there's um, SMS and S uh, or CET, there's OHST and CHST. <laughs> so there, there's a few other ones if you want to go down that whole road. Yeah, but what they we need to. <laughs> no, what they all have in common is that you have to maintain a certain amount of CEUs right. to um, maintain the, the certification. So yeah. it is easy to, um, well, I shouldn't say easy. It's, um, simple and straightforward, which isn't necessarily easy sometimes, uh, to maintain CEUs by being an ASP member and to go even attending the conference. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the most passive way to do it. Um, myself, I've never had to worry about having enough CEUs when it's research time because I'm an active engaged member. So I've run for and and been elected to, uh, leadership roles and I do volunteering and, and other, um, uh, things within the industry. And I know some people aren't as engaged and, um, out there, but I encourage people to do that because you get your CEUs plus it's just great experience and, and visibility for the professionals. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's double click into your, you know, social media, you know, experience. Uh, one of the things that caught my eye once uh, we became connected is how, you know, how much you're in, in the social media limelight, so to speak, in a, in a sense. I mean, you know, most listeners don't know. Well, they, they kind of know because I've talked about it, but you're a podcaster. So you're on a podcast show. That's great. You're on my show. That's awesome. Uh, but you also do a lot of uh, safety minutes, uh, you know, out there on LinkedIn and 
Um, you talked a little bit and I caught a little bit about these, you know, like that safety minute that you can like ask Google to tell you something about that. I thought that was intriguing. I heard you say something about that. I was like, I got to ask her about that too. Yeah. That was intriguing. So, so tell me about so- that. Yeah, the social media safety minute itself, that is not me. That's Jason Lucas, who's one of my partners in in crime or partners in justice with the Safety Justice League. So that's a different thing. Um, But I do have an Alexa flash briefing skill. So hopefully I didn't trigger anyone's devices. But you can can say, um, Alexa, play my news. And if you've enabled the safety news flash briefing skill as part of your your flash briefing skill itself. Um, so Alexa will tell you, you know, the news from NPR and then yep. um, your BBC news or whatever you have. And then right. if you've got my safety news in there, she'll launch, she'll play my news too. So That's I, yeah. Neat. So every week, um, even before safety justice league stuff every week, or even more frequently, I would record anywhere from one to five, six minutes um, safety news. And I make sure that that's pointed to the Alexa flash briefing skill. So whenever someone asks for it, it's right there. Um, And then that was a a tiny step towards podcasting. So I saw that I could, um, I have a WordPress website. And if you just click a little box that says podcast, it creates an RSS feed that is basically a podcast. And um, then I copy paste that RSS feed link into Google podcasts, um, Spotify, like all the the major platforms. So when I just do my one little five to six minute safety news spiel once a week now, it goes onto my website. And from there it goes all over the place into all the other platforms. I have it. Yeah. It's been really fun. Um, it's fun to hear from people saying that they ask their devices for the news and they enjoy (laughs) listening to me. I like that idea. I'm going to have to talk to you offline about that to maybe figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes a little technically challenged, but not, I mean, I'm not too bad for an older guy, but okay. You know, I'm having fun with this. Yeah. Um, Well, my, my goal was to have an Alexa skill. And I started to look into that and it's like, ooh, skill is a whole thing. There's coding involved. It's, it's a right. lot. So okay. I learned I could do a flash briefing skill that is a little bit lower level, yeah. um, but more approachable. And it still gets you on the, the voice device. So I'm, I'm there stoked. You go. It, there, there you go. You Most people it. don't know the difference. So, so now you're involved with the Safety Justice League podcast, and I'll have to admit for the listeners here, that is one really cool podcast that I've, you know, just got aware, became aware of, um, and have been listening to, subscribed, and, um, you know, heavy on safety, which is fantastic because there's so much there, but you guys are a bunch of personalities uh, that it's really fun and to listen to, and I've made some connections already just by listening to people that are on your podcast, so it's been really great. Oh, that's your podcast a bit. So it's kind of one of those pandemic projects because we we all linked up um, pre-COVID, I think. Okay. And I have yeah. to think way back. Um, I'm pretty sure we all connected pre-COVID. And right. I've only met one of the Safety Justice League members in person in real life. <laughs> and yeah, okay. so that's Jason Lucas. We met last year in at the ASSP Safety Conference, Safety 2019. at the wise lounge so we met there and we talked about how we should collaborate to do um a 
we collaborated on a speaker proposal session, which was for Safety 2020, which ended up being virtual. So it worked actually perfectly based on our, our uh, subject matter, which was using social media to amplify safety messages. Right. So um, the two of us were talking, and then he had already been talking to um, Jason Maldonado and Nathan Brayman on LinkedIn. And so we just started like a, like a group message on LinkedIn. And we're all, uh, I mean, we're not like, I mean, we're like-minded, but we have very differing um, opinions and backgrounds, but we, we link up on a lot of like the, the big main topics when, right. within safety. So right. kindred spirits, you know, otherwise um, good synergy. So we have this LinkedIn group message going on and I forget how this even started, to be honest. Like we started doing these ask a safety pro videos where people would ask us questions or we'd ask each other a question. We just do a selfie video and, um, answer the question. And then Jason Lucas would clip the, um, the videos together and we'd post them on LinkedIn. So those started to get some traction. And then we thought, well, what if we, what if we did something else? And around the same time, um, one of our friends, Kyle Kruger, who has his own podcast, Probability Matters, um, he messaged us and said, you guys are kind of like a justice league of safety, like alone, you're, you're good. But as a group, it's something else. Yeah, and right. so, so we thought, oh my gosh, safety justice league. That's, that's cool. That and cool. Nathan Brayman, AKA Redbeard, he's a serial um, domain name buyer. And he looked up safetyjusticeleague.com. He said, it's not, no one has it. It's available. He bought it. And so that pretty much prompted Started everything out. else to happen. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, for the listeners that are listening on this podcast, I, I recommend you guys check out the Safety Justice League. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, podcast, very interesting and great topics. And so you can hear Abby on there and, and others, and uh, it's, you'll get a lot out of it for sure. So, um, Thank you know, you. yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed and I was kind of like, you know, what's the value of having a CSP in the industry, you know, cause I mean, why get the credential, right? I mean, that's kind of like the big question. If I, you know, I'm in the safety, okay, you want to do it to advance your career, basically. And I Googled the, uh, the you know, kind of a question on that. I said, well, what's the base salary for a, a, a CSP, you know? And they basically came back and said, look, you know, starting salary or average salary, not starting, but average is like 97 to $125,000 a year. I was like, whoa, okay. That's pretty good salary for a CSP. I mean, that's yeah. fantastic. And then, you know, and it ends up being seems like twenty thousand dollars more for someone who doesn't actually have a CSP. Uh, you know, doing the same types of tasks in the field a lot of times is what they said. And I was like, wow, okay. So not only is there a financial incentive, you know, and then there's the educational, pers- you know, perspective and incentive, but you know, it's just it's that career advancement of just moving up to that next thing, right. Then you're, you know, for your goal. For sure. Yeah. Um, it became one of those career advancement goals for me when, um, I was working as a safety director and, you know, you come up with your performance plan and all that stuff with your boss. And, um, it it seems like you need to have something, you know, to shoot for. And, and in these professions, it's like, well, you need something to, to demonstrate that you're proficient because, people don't really understand what a safety professional does. It's such like a, like a wide spectrum of what people actually do in the field. And then, um, and there's debates probably every single day on LinkedIn about 
the professionalism of the field and what is a safety professional. And I don't really have the answer for that because it could vary by industry. Um, people come at the profession from multiple different ways. People come from the field. I came from the academic side. Um, I'm not saying, and I know that, you know, my path isn't better than anybody else's. It's just different. And yeah, right. um, I think that's one thing that makes the field really great. And so there's been some debates, like I said, about um, the profession itself. But honestly, I think when people come at it from different ways, they, they bring so much to the table. And I've learned a lot from people that didn't come from the academic route. So I appreciate that. But yeah, for the sure, guys in the um, trenches, the guys who, yeah. uh, you know, done and done it in the real world. Right. And yeah, that have actually sites. operated equipment and yeah. made things, you know, like they definitely have a, an edge on me. I mean, I learned these things, but I've never actually been the person that's the crane operator. Yeah, you know? but right. I could tell you a lot about cranes and I, I taught over 30 operators um, so that they could pass the, the NCCCO crane exams years ago. So, you know, it, it works like we can we can work together. Um, but also there must have been some kind of marketing pitch years ago for <laughs> um, the CSP to be that gold standard. So um, it's definitely become one of those things that when an employer's looking to hire a safety professional, they know that they should ask for someone with, you know, five plus years of experience and a right. CSP or right. eligibility to earn a CSP. And I also blame <laughs> in a good way, I guess, um, the Army Corps of Engineers because they specified that um, on projects for someone to be a site safety and health officer that they have a, a CSP and you know so many years of experience in order to be that highest level of site safety and health officer. So I feel like in the in the let's see 2008, 9, 10, whatever that is, to mm -hmm. late mid 2000s, whatever. Yeah, mid to late 2000s. Like, yeah, I feel like that's when certification or credentials really became a big deal that a you would need deal. to have that to progress in your career. That's good. I mean, so so let's talk a little bit about the roles uh, in you know in the industry today. I mean, so. You know, we're in this pandemic. Oh my gosh, you know, we're talking about safety. I mean, what are the safety professionals doing to help, you know, these companies with COVID-19? I think we're still doing what we've always done, which is battling for our legitimacy every single day. It's this a is, weird this profession. Pandemic, I think this pandemic has raised the, the awareness of the value of a CSP. I don't know if I've really seen that because really? I've seen, yep, I've seen plenty of my peers that even they have CSPs that they've said, nope, I'm not going to talk about um, mask or no mask, or um, I can't get into medical uh, talk about how COVID is transmitted or things like that, that people are, are kind of recusing themselves or stepping back from these conversations because they're not a medical professional. Right. And for me, I feel that I agree with you that it should be um, a time that's a, a catalyst for what a safety professional does and where we can really shine. But I mean, when I was watching the cable news shows every night for a while there back in you know March, April, May, and yeah. I gave up on that recently. <laughs> it's too much. Um, it's but at the time, much. yeah. But at the time, I was like, why? Uh, why isn't there a safety professional being interviewed? You know, right. it's always or a, CIH. a doctor. Where's the CIH? CIH? Right. Well, the AIHA did step up and out and really um, just stepped up in their communication and published a bunch of guides. Um, I think their website is called Back to Work Safely. I think. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I forget now, but that's actually an interesting story that's going to be on the Safety Justice League podcast um, next week for ah, Safe and Sound Week. Okay. So there you go, listeners. Yeah. You got a new podcast, to, <laughs> you know, topic to listen to. That's gonna be yeah. Good. So go check it out. We interviewed Larry Sloan, who is the CEO of the AIHA, and they recently went through a rebranding, and he talked about how. Mark Cuban actually was the catalyst for AIHA to come up with these guides for helping small businesses, small employers of different types, like nail salons. Um, I can't think of another example, but really any other kind of industry you can think of, they came up with these guides for reopening safely that are geared specifically towards small businesses, but of course could be used by any size business. So I like how, how they approached it. ASSP was a little... Um, more cautious and slow about how they responded, but ultimately they do have a landing page with some great resources. It's ASSP.org slash coronavirus. And one of the resources at the top of that page is from the Women in Safety Excellence Group, which is a crowdsourced Google Sheet that has several different resources about COVID and reopening. And so there's infographics and links and template programs and all kinds of things on there. And it's been a really excellent resource. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just wondered where the safety pro was in all of this. Right, and, right. Um, there were some past uh, Obama era OSHA leaders that um, were speaking up and speaking out. So um, I think it was uh, Dr. David Michaels was one and Jordan Barab um, were both um, speaking out a lot about mm-hmm. basically where's OSHA, <laughs> you know, yeah, what's going on. OSHA, what's yeah. Going on? Where's the CIH is, I mean, that's what CIHs do is, you know, identify these types of barrier, these issues and try to create solutions to prevent them. And, and then the safety professional, in my mind's the person who's trying to help, you know, implement safe practices, right? I mean, and and making sure people are safe and social distancing properly and helping educate. So something that's (laughs) happened is a lot of safety professionals um, have been relegated to the the temperature checkers and symptom checkers, you know, at the door, literally of a, of an organization. So we talked about that in one of the earlier um, safety justice league episodes too. One of them was called lockdown. And there's a couple other ones we've talked about COVID here and there and, and how it's, it's not panning out. I mean, this is horrible. This sounds awful that like the pandemic isn't making us look good, but um, safety professionals weren't being turned to at their organizations by executives and and other um, business decision makers. And it just makes you wonder why. And so I I feel that the profession has some steps that we need to take. um, And I don't know what they are specifically, to make sure it's looked at as a legit profession that people understand what we do. And um, I I do feel that's why AIHA did a lot of that rebranding so that people would understand this is what we do. You need to call on us in cases like this, you know, in this pandemic, we write these plans, we analyze these risks. We do this all the time. Well, I think, you know, and a lot of, a lot of companies and industries, you know, the safety guy or person, the gal, you know, sometimes they can have a negative view from, you know, a lot of these perspective. I mean, unfortunately, you know, most 
safety professionals that I know are there to, you know, they're lending a hand, they're helping out. It's the ones that are maybe a little bit of a nag, so to speak, or the, you know, the ones that's always griping or have the power trips, like, where's your safety glasses, man? Get off my side, you know. The safety cop. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not the approach to really encourage in the adoption of all the safety that we're looking for to, you know, improve our, our work life, right? So, um, I think that's been a challenge for some and, um, but you know, these companies, I ought to be adopting, you know, safety professionals, you know, um, expertise and, uh, input quickly into this. Uh, cause I mean, a lot of these people are still trying to resume business, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, something else I saw, um, because you can see people looking for work on LinkedIn and other places where there was actually a lot of safety professionals that lost their job during all this. Yeah, so right. talk about backwards. How, <laughs> um, why, just, right? Well, I used to joke safety first, you know, when things yeah. go bad, safety's first to go. <laughs> but that's Sad. not the right safety first. That I'm it thinking. really isn't. Right. Nope. I mean, where's the job safety, you know, tailgate meetings uh, to start my job to, you know, at work today with all the COVID. I mean, you know, let's make sure we get the proper PPE. We're doing the proper, uh, you know, safety distancing and things like that. Right. Um, that's uh, interesting, but, uh, well, yeah, the safety pro should be coaching the the leaders of the company to make exactly. sure that they're bringing safety practices to the workplace every day, even if the safety professional isn't right there watching them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then, you know, the more you, uh, give, I guess, uh, praise for good things and doing the right thing and, you know, I think you get better adoption, right, into the culture. For what sure. What you're trying to accomplish, yeah. right? Yep. And it is hard to have that positive leading approach right now with, with COVID and all these precautions. But I think um, by taking the lead on communication and making sure we're giving accurate and timely communication to workers, I think right now during the, the pandemic when workers are confused about what information is good and what they should be following, yeah. that makes things difficult for a safety professional. So um, communication is a huge skill that a safety pro needs to have and where a safety pro can actually take the lead at their organization during these times. Yeah, obviously, yeah, being a good communicator. Somebody also is, you know, empathetic, Mm -hmm. uh, sensitive. You know, you talked about, you have a minor in uh, psychology. I mean, I think you have to be a psychologist to really be effective in this job. Wish I I got the major. (laughs) I could use it. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? Because there's a lot of characters out there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, psychology helps. It almost um, makes things... uh, too insidious, you know, <laughs> if you, if you understand a lot about psychology and communication, it's like, oh, I, I get how to talk to these people. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it reverse it helps, psychology, think, right? Yeah. I think all safety professionals or any of us that are working with people on the safety and health side, we should have some kind of, um, dabbling that we do in psychology topics to understand how the brain works and how, how people form habits and how people form, um, good habits or break bad habits. And, um, you know, how that relates to their safety practices at work. Well, that's good. So, uh, you know, we've been talking about a lot of these cool safety things and is there anything that's in particular on your mind in the safety, uh, you know, arena right now that seems to be kind of lacking or things that you'd like to see or do any technology that's out there that you're kind of thinking it'd be cool to help, uh, you know, make the job better. Yeah, there's lots of really interesting stuff out there right now with um, artificial intelligence and Internet of Things. So these are the things that I'm super interested in right now because 
in safety, we have this data problem. Like we want a lot of information. We want a lot of data, but often we just become data collectors and it's just a bunch of stuff. And right. so there's so many tools out there now, which it's tough to um, invest in these things, but I think it's worthwhile. But there's a lot of resources out there where the data gets crunched by artificial intelligence and it can give you really um, interesting, relevant, and very particular information that can help a safety professional make better recommendations to their organization so that they can make changes or make even just like small pivots on what they're doing and change things slightly for better worker safety performance. So I encourage people to um, work with the robots, you know, like accept that artificial intelligence is in our lives and that it's here to, to make our job easier. It's not taking our jobs away. So have you experienced the use of, say, uh, your mobile devices to record near misses and to, you know, those types of activities or your tailgate safety mailings and, and be able to just, you know, check off and document the fact you did it or you identified something and have you been using those types of tools? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's an app for that. There's apps for <laughs> there's a right. all this stuff. Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, apps are, are like a first step for a company or even just a, a safety professional individually to get that familiarity with using technology. But um, I encourage people to look at things that are more systemic and more solution oriented, that it's the app is just part of it. Right, so right. the app itself, if you're just gathering a bunch of observations and pictures or typing things in, that's more data. and Who's managing that? Who's doing anything with that? So it just becomes yeah. the same as your paper-based inspection that you would look at once a month or once a quarter, and then you'd see someone's little note scribbled, hey, the first aid kit's been out of bandages for three months. Right. I mean, you got to be able to harness the data to assess it, to analyze it and understand like what, what are the, the trends are, right? Absolutely. Um, but the data that a safety professional collects, even if you're just going out and doing like a weekly inspection, it might have some near misses or injuries or incidents, even just that amount of data, it is more than what an individual can even manage and understand right. and process. So right. already we have that problem where we're missing things and those are missed opportunities to prevent an injury a fatality um, or other unplanned, unwelcome thing from happening at our, at our places of work. So what, in your experience, the demographic of the workforce, who do you think's most, you know, uh, uh, has the most interest in embracing safety, you know, as a demographic or, or the ones who are most resistant to safety as a demographic? You know, I don't think it's even, um, age-based um, as far no. if you're pointing to a demographic based on um, age. Yeah. But I think um, as far as just embracing safety, I mean, I've been burned by really young people coming into okay. a construction environment where, um, you know, they're an apprentice and they already act like an, a crusty, you know, superintendent that's been yeah. in the field for 40 years. Right. So, which is just a shame. Um, right. So it really depends on who's mentoring the new people when they come in. So as with safety over the years, um, new hire orientation and those first communication um, opportunities are key, but we have to make sure that we've got the right people that are doing that because if they're being mentored by a crusty, grumpy person, they're even a young person new to the field is going to all of a sudden be crusty and grumpy, which right. is a waste. Yeah. Um, so at, at Safety Justice League also, we talk about the olds 
and old is just a mindset. Like a, a young person in their twenties can still have an old mindset. Sure. So um, I just, I, I like when I see a, a curious safety person where they're wanting to learn more about different apps and solutions and wanting to learn more about different safety philosophies and theories. And they're not already subscribed to one particular school of thought. So um, I I like that. I think, of course, no matter what age you are, if you're still trying to pick up new things and learn and listen to these podcasts, I mean, that's, that's huge. Well, that's good. I mean, so, so it's not, uh, there's no real one group of people worse than the other. They're all about the same. They all can be the worst sometimes, that's for sure. I mean, I've had some really interesting experiences training um, public works employees and construction workers and different trades. And, you know, you can get like down the rabbit hole of, you know, um, carpenters are awful or whatever. That's a bad example because it's not true. But, you know, you can go down those pathways. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, so, you know, uh, the podcast is the Environmental Transformation Podcast. And what we're trying to do with this show is shine a light on individuals that are making a difference and making an impact in the industry. So, Abby, what are you doing to transform the industry? Every day. <laughs> what do you mean? Just kidding. I mean, I'm just trying to bring sometimes off the wall stuff to people and um, just challenge them. So whether it's challenging people within my own organization with a with just a question, a line sure. of questioning, um, or bringing something new to the table, or challenging other safety professionals to look at things differently. Um, I feel that just my perspective, but also now that I have a platform, my ability to bring other people's perspectives into the conversation who we never used to hear from. I just got sick of hearing from the same dozen people at every event or the caricature of those same dozen people at every single event. And so I pushed my way in, but I feel that the ultimate goal of me pushing my way in was to then open the door or reach back to bring other people forward. So that's great. Yeah, I'm just enjoying seeing different conversations happening, and I feel like things are happening a little bit quicker, and I I feel that social media is helping things um, be discussed quicker, and that's great. For some people, it makes them very uncomfortable, but I I like it. I can see you're a little bit of an extrovert, so that's awesome. I mean, you're out there. A little. (laughs) But, you know, doing that podcast, doing your Alexa stuff and your, you know, safety minutes and your, your social media stuff is fantastic. And I highly recommend people to connect with you on LinkedIn. That that's a, that's a great uh, platform you have there. And, uh, you know, I'm really encouraged that uh, we had this conversation today. I'm really excited to meet a few of the other uh, folks uh, on your podcast that, that you uh, work with there. Um, I was, I was listening to the uh, Michael Bowman uh, podcast you guys did a while back. We were talking cool. about him doing his little, uh, uh, Kung flu splits. <laughs> That's right. And 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 when he when uh, your Justin I think posted on, on LinkedIn. Oh, Jason posted Jason, like a Van Dam. Yeah, or a Van Dam. That was the funniest thing ever. I just about lost it. I was. That, and that what was does it have to do with safety? You know, yeah, it's like it was, we're we're using some humor to catch people a little bit off guard, and it was brilliant. More likely was, to listen. Tell Jason it was brilliant. It was, awesome. I loved it. it was great. So <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but pretty cool stuff. And Thank but. You. 
but you know, let's stay connected. Thanks for joining the podcast today and then talking to, about the, the CSP credential and, and what, it's, what it's done for you in the industry and what it can do for others in the industry. And I'm sure we could talk a lot more about what the, the various types of tasks and roles that you're working in the industry, but uh, we're going to be running out of time, obviously, here. So we'll have to save it for another time. But I really awesome. appreciate you coming on and then uh, looking forward to catching up down the road. coming on the show today. If you have questions about becoming a certified SAGE professional, please feel free to contact Abby via LinkedIn. I'll also put a link to her contact information on my webpage. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks, or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today. Thank you.